Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things, the podcast. I'm Macy. And I'm Naomi. And we're two anxious counselors who like to talk about deeply disturbing things. Invite the neighbors over, make them bring a casserole, and let's dive into it. Yeah. Close in the chat. Say, get off my keyboard and let's get going. Remember last time the cat put you on mute and you didn't know? I know. She's actually... And you were just really quiet for a long time. Let me know if that happens again. She's... She thinks even care. I'm talking to her right now. This is the problem is she (laughs) thinks this is for her. And so she needs to destroy things. (laughs) So that's 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 what's happening. Yes. Her favorite thing are just paper balls when you roll them up and then flick them across the room. It's great. Hours of fun. Simple pleasure. No, it's like the expensive toys she won't even pay attention to, but that paper ball will keep her like she'll flip in the air for herself. She puts it in my shoe like a basketball. It's pretty same with little kids. Just get them a cardboard box. Right. Right. You get to go first today. Do I? You do. Okay. Um, I think you'll like this topic because we're both into Japanese shit. Yeah. So this is this is some good Japanese shit. I'm excited. I learned that summertime in Japan is spooky season. Ooh. So like like here it's like fall, but in summer it's in Japan it's summer. And this is because the holiday of Obon, the Obon festival, it honors the spirits of one's departed ancestors by inviting them back to the human world. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Okay. I'm going to talk about <laughs> bait and switch. The true story behind the Ring movie. <gasps> Ooh, good. I right. that mm-hmm. No, I have lots uh, of feelings about that movie. I can make that noise very well. That noise that was so scary. That was really quiet. You need to do it again. What I thought I was, I'm, I'm up close. Oh, it was barely a croak. What? <laughs> That's better. That's better. <laughs> I got really self conscious. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like when people ask me to mimic guinea pig sounds, I get self conscious. What does that sound like again? See, I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not. <laughs> I know. You're dancing monkey, Macy. I'm not going to perform know. on demand. I just like it. So Ringu is the yes. Japanese which movie I have, that came out. Which I did see the the Japanese version. Yeah, I like the Japanese one So much better. better. Yeah, so much yeah. better. So that came out in 1998. The U.S. remake came out in 2002. And um, it was originally based on a book from 91. I didn't know it was based on a book. Koji Suzuki. I guess there's lots of books, but I heard, like, don't read them all because it just gets really bizarre. I I mean, think about, like, you know, when you're watching a show and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's just a dream. And then you get pissed off and you're like, what? Because I was invested. It's similar to that. Got it. So everyone says, if you're going to read the books, just stop. Just do the, read the first book and just stop. Got just it. Or you'll rage quit later on. Yeah. Okay. So as a, a recap for our listeners, in the film, four teenage girls watch a mysterious VHS tape. And when it's done, the phone rings and they get a, 
a phone call that says that they'll be dead in seven days. It's not a long it's, time. That's a long time to be stressing. Oh, I was gonna say it's not. It's not a long time. Like all of a sudden, you'd be dead. No, it's not yes. a time. A long time to be like my end is nigh. But I think that's true. When, in when in you high school, you're not sure what's gonna happen. Like that's a really long time. Yeah. And Later, we the- learn about Sadako, the mm. young girl who had supernatural gifts who was thrown down a well by her father so when someone watches the videotape her gro- her ghost crawls out of the well and comes through the tv and kills the person and so the people are found with their faces all like <laughs> like twisted and in, in fear i can't like like <laughs> <laughs> something like that i'm sure it's exactly how it looked so let's get into the true background for the ring story there's two parts to this okay one is our field psychology the study the real study of thoughtography i'm excited just by that word thoughtography i know it's cool mm-hmm. so there was a doctor Tomokichi Fukurai, who lived from 1869 to 1852. And if I get some of these words wrong, it's I'm not intentionally yeah, trying to know. insult anybody. I'm just stupid. It's it's me. Just it's, just acknowledge that we acknowledge. Yeah, I'm I'm doing and, my best. Feel free know, to correct me. I we love being we corrected. We, we love, love feedback. It. We love it. We I love, love seeing it, and then I tell her about it, and then I say I can't look at it anymore. You delete it. Or come to terms with it, but I'm not looking at it. How are we going to grow as humans if we aren't told that we're wrong? And we do incorporate things. We've incorporated a lot of things, actually. But if you're just a dick, we don't, actually. We just get deleted. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes people have, like, really... Yeah, no, but, like, part of our whole thing is, like, we do research. And to be fair, like, we're not researching, spending three years of our life researching one topic... We are spending a research, day or a few days <laughs> to present as solidly as we can for in us a half hour to teach each other. I don't know why this tangent happened. I'm sorry. I wanted to write that it's word okay. down. What was it? Sometimes I feel the need. Thoughtography. It's like thoughtography. Thoughtography. I like it. Okay. So Dr. Fukurai worked on the study of clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. He was a psychologist at Tokyo Imperial University. In 1905, Fukurai published the first systematic study of what he called mesmerism. I mean, that's probably not the Japanese word for it, but that meant hypnotism. Mm-hmm. And I like that word, like to mesmerize, to hypnotize. Mesmerism. Yeah. That's a lot of it's a mesmeriz- mesmerisms. So he he published a book, An Introduction to Mesmeric Psychology. Fukurai used a lot of experimental methods in his research in mesmerism. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, his experimental methods. So in August of 1909, an article appeared in a newspaper about how the former president of Kyoto Imperial University who was recovering from an illness, had received a mysterious treatment from a woman named 
Maifun Chizuko, who had invented a technique called tokenho. Tokenho meant that one could see not only through the contents of a tightly sealed bag, but you could also see through minerals and you can see through a person's body to assess what was going on inside them. Hmm. So you're like a human x-ray vision. So I, say, I don't know how I feel about people seeing That's why I get TSA pre-check. I don't like them using that big x-ray looking at all my insides. It's like you, this person, Chizuko, like, had this power. Yeah. It was a form of clairvoyance. Chizuko is said to have been mesmerized by her brother-in-law and while in that state, given the suggestion that she could see through objects. And so she acquired this ability. Wow. Chizuko was the first what's called Senrigen or clairvoyant that attracted the world's attention. And so started the so-called Senrigen affair, which is all about the experiments in clairvoyance that took place between 1910 to 1911 in Japan. Exciting. In 1913, Fukurai published his book about the clairvoyant experiments. In the introduction, he said, quote, Galileo, though he was imprisoned, continued his studies, and he did not neglect them. No matter how much I was persecuted by mediocre scholars, I could not help but follow the path that I believed to be a scholar's calling. I mean, a little pretentious, but it sounds great. In front of the opponents of the world who are gathered together like a cloud, I will preach as follows. Clairvoyance is a fact, and photography is also a fact. Unquote. He was advised by someone he respected to postpone the publication of the book. Mm-hmm. It is said that the publication of this book was the deciding factor in Fukurai being fired from the university. Oh, must not have been tenure. Did that exist in Japan? <laughs> I don't know. You can get remakes of this book on Amazon. I looked it up. And it's called Clairvoyance and Thoughtography, if you want to get your remake. So back to Chizuko, our clairvoyant. Chizuko's right ear had hereditary hearing loss, and she would sometimes focus on one thing and neglect others. Chizuko later killed herself by taking poison in the midst of the clairvoyance experiments, which was speculated to be caused by her distress at being called an imposter by scholars and newspapers. Suspected. So if you remember in the movie The Ring, they were doing experiments like that of clairvoyance and Sadako's mother, Shizuko, died by suicide in the movie. So that's Hmm. one of the links. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the creepy lady at the horse farm. Or the horse, they, they go back to the horse farm that whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I don't in remember high the horse farm, but I believe you. I owned it on VHS, which was very scary for me. I just want to say. That's double scary. Right. How can you even watch it? So here, you're so risking I, death. I invited friends on Halloween to come over and watch this movie. So I was sick maybe around 16 and I had three or four friends come over and we're in the loft of the garage, which is where my room was at the time. So extra creepy kind of outside and in the garage. And, 
and we're watching this movie pretty relatively freaked out and one of my friends is very skittish um he was very terrified of the whole thing and then my dad of course goes around making noises on the side of the garage and then chased my friend with the machete and like hacked it into the side of the garage for theatrical impact (laughs) made him scream so this is i remember it in a lot of detail because of all of the chaos questionable parenting i mean maybe that's like the go that's like going the extra mile i think yeah i mean i i i love the flair of the dramatic yeah he was in theater for a long time, so that's probably Makes why. sense. It, it's all tracking now. Mm-hmm. In July of 1908, Jizuko's brother-in-law told her that she could see through everything without needing to be mesmerized or hypnotized mm-hmm. if she just did deep breathing and cleared her mind and practiced this every morning. So Jizuko listened to this advice and began to diligently take deep breaths every hour. And after about 10 days, she was able to see through the small insects in the trunk of the plum tree in the garden. Uh, now I, I feel, now I need to try this. Try it. How long, do you know how long this took her to see through uh, little bugs? 10 days. Oh, that's not bad at all. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with committing to that. Yeah. I've done more for less. So Fukurai, Dr. Fukurai, was encouraged to study Chizuko's abilities because word was getting out about her rep. In February of the following year, he devised a clairvoyance experiment that was conducted through the mail as a preliminary experiment. Mm-hmm. So there were 19 name cards were randomly selected and, from a bunch that Fukurai had, and then some of the letters on the front or back of each card were covered And then a small piece of paper was affixed to the seal and stamped with the seal of approval so that they would know that Chizuko didn't open it it up. And then they were mailed to Chizuko to, you know, be able to read through the envelope and see the name that was inside. The results, seven of these envelopes had been viewed through in two days three completely accurately and four partially accurately. When she was mentally focused for clairvoyance, voyance, she fell into a sleep state. And unfortunately, three leathers were accidentally dropped into the fire and burned. I hate when I accidentally drop. You know, you're in the, the middle fire. of a clairvoyance experiment, you nod off and then your experimental letter just gets dropped into the fire. Sounds accidental. <laughs> the rest of the letters were not completed due to extreme mental and physical exhaustion. So Dr. Fukurai, though, thought these results were fair, favorable and decided to travel to Kumamoto to conduct experiments. So in April of 1910, he made a business trip to Kumamoto to test Chizuko's abilities. And these experiments were conducted in collaboration with Kyoto Imperial University. So there's some credence to these Mm -hmm. experiments. Yeah. Chizuko performed clairvoyance by holding an envelope or a box with an object in it on her knees. So she'd be kneeling and then hold it and like leaning forward, like focusing. Mm -hmm. She would take deep breaths and unify her mind. 
And then when she got that, what was called mental unity with the object, when she had that visual image in her mind of the target object, then she would either say what it was or write down what she found. The experiment was conducted a total of 17 times over a period of five days. Hmm. The results led Fukurai to have sufficient faith in Chizuko's clairvoyance. And so at a special psychology conference, Fukurai gave a report on this Kumamoto trip experiment. On that day, there were professors from the medical school, there were physicists, there was a philosopher, there were psychologists, they were all participated in this conference and this event where he presented this information. So everybody's in at this point, everybody's interested Seems like a very exciting new field of research. Yeah, yeah, especially around that time too. A lot, a lot more interest in those areas. Chizuko's clairvoyance had a major drawback, though. She could not unify her mind in front of others, so she had to be in a separate room. Could they monitor her though in the separate? Oh, well, this was room. before closed captioning TV, so no. So they wait. Okay, so they wait. I'm back it up. So they had to trust that she didn't open the thing. Right. So they did seal things with wax and things, but people, okay, okay, okay. you know, obviously started to have doubts about the results of the experiment. Yeah. Like, why does she need to be in a room alone? Why can't she do this in front of us? So Fukurai really worked to train Shizuko's abilities so that she could perform in front of others, but it was very difficult. And so he tried to ensure to the witnesses and the other researchers that the objects were sealed tightly so they wouldn't raise doubts. He'd done the paper with the glue and the seals before, but he decided, all right, let's make this more rigorous. We're going to put the experimental object inside a lead tube and solder both ends. Like, she's not going to be able to just open this up. and. Yeah, I was seat. kind of wondering, like, too, like, okay, she's alone. Is she shaking it, trying to make a best guess sort of thing? I'd be holding it up to the light. Yeah. Like, what can I see? <laughs> <laughs> so they set up to do experiments in front of others. They're going to be conducted at Kyoto Imperial University with an experimental object in a soldered lead tube. But... While she was watching these experimental objects being made, Chizuko got extremely anxious. She was crying. She covered her face in her hands. She stayed in the laboratory a long time, but could not perform clairvoyance. So she lay down Mm -hmm. on the tatami mat and wept shamefully. So it's Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. I remember in the in the movie when they have, I don't know, they, when they have the girl in the psych ward, they have her like in the chair, and I think there was a period where she's crying. I don't know if that's yeah, I just probably based on this. Okay. And when they did do that public experiment in the movie, someone like called her out for a fraud, and I was gonna say they didn't have anything about the clairvoyancy in the room they didn't really explain exactly what was no but they definitely like there were experiments that were happening but yeah they just didn't go into it yeah you knew it was something like paranormal Mm -hmm. but you weren't exactly sure what so a public experiment was planned nevertheless (laughs) nevertheless (laughs) with scholars and newspaper reporters 
And so lots of all the important scientists of the day, physicists, medical scientists, philosophers participated. There was going to be three days of experiments. Mm -hmm. The first and the last were the scholars. And then the middle one was for newspaper reporters to watch. So in the first experiment, a piece of paper was prepared with three letters and put in the lead tube. But there was some weird switcheroo with the tubes, and it led to suspicion of the critics. However, the second experiment of front of the reporters was a success. So right. Chizuko did um, accurately have mental unity with those images. So In she the got third all public three, right? experiment, yeah. Wow. In the third public experiment, scholars placed a randomly selected card from a whole bunch of cards where the participating scholars wrote three letters, placed it in a box, or placed it in a tin urn, then put it in a box, then tied it with string, then tied it with a piece of twisted paper with a wax seal of approval on the knot. So mm -hmm. you would know if it got tampered with. And, you know, having that many layers of protection. Yeah, and it's not about the it. card. It's about the writing on the card. Yeah. Yes. So the result of Chizuko's clairvoyant vision was completely accurate wow so she's got two days out of three where it's completely accurate on that day chizuka wasn't feeling well and had to stop with additional experiments the participating scholars were very excited about the experiment results and at this time nobody was like a doubter there was no naysayers everybody was like sharing Mm -hmm. ideas from their unique perspective about what could be going on here like some were like is it rays like rays of light or you know mm -hmm. x-rays were just being discovered at this time radium oh, was just yeah. being discovered so it was like what could this be Fukurai promised Chizuko to conduct another public experiment but this never happened because Chizuko killed herself what no. Okay. Okay. Wow, that's super disconnected from the movie. But I see where they well, Sadako's mom from. killed herself in the movie. Yeah, it just like yeah. they didn't put any of the actual story in. No, yeah, <laughs> they didn't have a lot of context. No, um, they were but... more about like the pulling the hair out of the mouth <laughs> things, the gross things. I mean, I think this is like maybe a case of like real life is scarier than fiction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so there's one uh, one other person i want to talk to you about that fukurai conducted clairvoyant experiments on so this is ikuko nagao i'm probably not pronouncing that right um so the clairvoyant experiments with shizuko were like all over the media all over the newspapers it was it created this huge boom and people just coming out and saying like, I'm clairvoyant, I'm clairvoyant <laughs> and having claiming to have these abilities because she got so famous. So one person who came to be regarded, regarded as a person with great ability was Ikuko. It said that in contrast to Chizuko, who was called unsophisticated and introverted, Ikuko Rude. is said to have been healthy and active. I okay. Dr. Fukurai performed the same preliminary experiments as he had done with Chizuko, 
but all of the return experimental objects had been opened after clairvoyance. So she ripped open all the envelopes with the seals. Ikuko said she did that because she was uncomfortable with the fact that there was a seal on the experimental objects because she felt like it meant her abilities were being questioned. And so she wanted to open yeah, it no after the experiment to see the answers. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, like that's the whole point. It's yeah, I mean, do that, do that after you make your guess and then open it in front of people. In front after. of people, right? So for this reason, Dr. Fukurai decided to travel to her and do experiments in person. Yukuko had a ritual before to prepare for clairvoyance. She had to cleanse her mouth, breathe deeply, and then rub her whole body down. And then she would sit down in front of a desk where the experimental object was placed and then stare at it to get that mental unity with the object. I don't know about the cleansing of the mouth. Like what? Like sometimes I feel fresher if I brush my teeth. That's true. Maybe it, it like helped, weakens uh, your senses if it was minty, perhaps. Minty. Did they have did they have sure Colgate they have... Optic White back then in Japan? Then probably in bigger bottles. And if you want to know why I'm talking about Enterprise toothpaste, consider being our Podbean pager and get access to exclusive content. It's only a dollar. <laughs> so Although the success rate of the results was lower than in Chizuko's case, Fukurai still was confident in Ikuko's abilities. So Fukurai and his colleagues were repeating their clairvoyance experiment. So this, you know, just focusing on a mental image of things mm-hmm. and trying to, to accurately um, say what they were. But then he just got into thoughtography. So photography is like photography, except your mental image it's a gets thought. translated to a photographic plate. Oh, that's not what I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. Can you say that one more time for me a little bit slower? So a mental image, like say I'm thinking really hard about a cat. Mm-hmm. And then on when you develop the photographic dry oh, plate the cat okay. is going to uh, be there yes yes yeah see so that's I... photography no that's pretty cool so he started working on these experiments and he named this phenomenon nensha and he started researching Dr. Yamakawa Kenjiro, one of the leading physicists in the world of physics, conducted experiments with Ikuko to verify the data of photography and found there were several difficulties with Ikuko's experiment. She was extremely nervous about not being believed and would lose the mental unity when she saw people gluing and sealing the experimental objects. When she performed mental unification, she had to leave the room in which the experiment was to be performed. So this was a different room than where the experimental objects were stored. Mm -hmm. So she said, like, before she could do this, she had to go cleanse her mouth. As one does. As one does. 
So that could be legit. Okay. Or maybe she's sneaking into the room and oh. tampering with experimental <laughs> objects. I don't know. I it see. So she disappears a for a bit. She disappears. She's like, I have I'm not ready yet. I'll be back. I'll be back. Nobody I have to cleanse my mouth. Door, Nobody follow me. I'm just cleansing my mouth. I'll be right back. Everything's In the same cool. room as the stuff. <laughs> don't seal it yet. From my mouth. <laughs> So, I mean, we don't know. This is just all conjecture. Allegedly. In 1911, one of the photographic dry plates from the storage room went missing. Mm. Later, it turns out that one of the researchers forgot to put it in the bag in the first place. But Ikuko's family... At that point, they're like, we're done. I don't trust this. You're trying to, you know, put a bad name to Ikuko. And so they were Mm -hmm. done with experiments. They're like, we're not doing anymore with the physicists. Mm -hmm. Because the physicists were kind of like, "Mm," you know, they're the ones double checking, like, is this real? So coming in with kind of that bias of let's try to disprove this, maybe. Mm -hmm. And around this time, right when the whole missing dry plate incident occurred, now the newspaper coverage began to change. The mood began to change. At first, everybody's all in. It's so exciting. So now it started to take a scandalous angle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially since they could kick off of the previous woman's suicide. And Well, that same month, that's when Shizuko died by suicide. Okay, so it all happened really quick. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened the following month? Did she commit suicide? The second one? A cuckoo died, apparently from the flu. Hmm. It just seems mm. suspect. Suspect, yes. Mm-hmm. In 1913, Fukurai, so two years after that, he waited to publish his book uh, on clairvoyance and photography. So Two years later, he published it. And at this point, though, you know, even though he clearly stated clairvoyance is a fact, photography is also a fact, it was not accepted in academic circles. And he was fired from his job at Imperial University. That's interesting because, like, the first one was actually, like, spot on. It was just that he couldn't find someone else to replicate those same results. He couldn't continue because his two psychics died. Yeah. He wanted to continue experiments, but he couldn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they just get ousted. You wonder. I do. After he was expelled, he didn't work again, but he decided to start training to gain psychic powers himself oh and after this after you know the whole dr fukurai situation the study of psychic abilities became taboo in academic circles mm-hmm. so in the movie we see a related sort of example to the nensha the photography so in the movie in the ring sadako yeah. they're like what is this video about but they determine oh. that it's her projecting her rage onto the video yeah yeah because i think that like i i would get that from like it's it's all of her emotions and rage from 
from i mean it's been a while since i've seen being killed by her dad and threw down the well right right yeah Yeah. (laughs) and the mom's suicide (laughs) rage yeah mom dying by Um, suicide but i i now make sense with the photography piece i really wish they would have put that in there like did they think it was just like a little too much I don't know. For us, like I don't know. I feel or maybe like I would have appreciated that. They just knew about this history, and that's like kind of where they got the idea. And I mean, yeah, they made a horror movie. Yeah, but that's like the connect. One of the other connections, isn't that interesting? Yeah, very interesting. Huh. Okay, I'm gonna finish up with a short ghost story. Oh, yeah, and they go through too. Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they're going through and looking at the film that's like cut and, and like moving it, and um, and like the fly. Do you remember like the fly that was in the reel and then all of a sudden came out, and it was all of a sudden like a real thing remember that may part. have been a scare like i a, haven't watched it for a long time to be yeah. honest yeah i'm I'm just wondering if they're again we're just trying to pull from like this is more than meets the eye like it has movement mm. and activity it's living not just a static picture okay sorry go on. it's a good movie i encourage everyone to watch it <laughs> i want to have a, i like i like scary movies and it may have been the machete we'll go back rewatch ringu the japanese one and yeah. then you'll be able to probably see a lot more of these connections have, come have in. it seen, might be more meaningful have you seen i just i'm just curious a battle royale oh i have not but both of my kids watched it super good um to me yeah. it was like hunger game i mean obviously this was way before hunger games um no, but that's like, what they both said it's better it's hunger games but better like times a hundred yeah yeah and good yeah <laughs> i like the hunger games books the movies were okay Different i liked topic. the books a lot the yeah. movies were okay yeah. <laughs> ditto want a little ghost story i do himeji castle in japan is gorgeous like if you look at pictures it is just stunning what the castle and the ring have in common and there's they're both connected mm-hmm. to the legend of banchu sarayashiki <laughs> oh i know i'm butchering these words this story tells of a court lady named okiku who becomes the victim of a plot to assume the lordship of the castle when the castle lord is sick and dying, his villainous chief, Tetsuzan, planned to kill the rival heir. So trying to set it up so that he's mm-hmm. the heir mm-hmm. to the castle. And he tries to get Okiku to help. Tetsuzan tries to seduce Okiku to get her to help. And when that doesn't work, he tries to blackmail her by framing her for the theft of one of ten treasured gold plates and when that doesn't work Tetsuzan decides to wrap okiku with rope tie her up and lower her down into the well to torture her the well is coming up so he repeatedly lowers and raises her from the well and also is hitting her with his wooden sword at the same time not real Tetsuzan what i right, so, sorry i said get a real sword well i guess it's used in some martial arts this wooden yeah, sword yeah. 
Okiku refuses to give in and is not going to help assassinate the rival heir. So Tetsuzan finally knocks her down into the well. Jeez. Before long, he hears a voice counting gold plates from the bottom. And Okiku's spirit rises from out of the well. So in the movie The Ring, after Sadako's pushed down the well by the father, she, you know, creepily comes out mm-hmm. with that like mm-hmm. disjointed all, all like elbows. body movements that is so creepy. <laughs> all elbows like, and all of her. You never angles. see the face because the hair is like yeah. all yeah. the way over Terrifying. the face, all long and wet and creepy as fuck. Oh, and I think the noise I made was from the grudge, not now that oh. I put it in <laughs> now that I remember the difference between the movies. So in the movie Sadako, you know, crawls out of the web the well and then just goes right through the TV to kill mm-hmm. people unless they break the curse by mm-hmm. making someone else watch the videotape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can go today to visit Himeji Castle and go and visit the Ooh, freaking wells. You can go visit the well. That actually happened at. That's scary. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you, the ghost story says that when you're looking down in the well, you may hear a voice counting plates. And you can try shouting 10 when the voice gets to 9. And this has been said to soothe Okiku's spirit and keep her from shrieking after she gets to nine about the lost plate because mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. bad dude was trying to blackmail her. Wow. So those are the, that's the true story behind the ring. Wow. Very interesting. Thank you. I think we should go watch, rewatch Ringu, the Japanese version and mm-hmm. like just incorporate all this new background knowledge. Absolutely. Yes. Your turn. What do you my got? Turn. My turn. Okay. Okay. Let me. I was. I was so in enamored in your topic. I was not. I knew you'd like it because I know you like Japanese stuff. I do. Um. All right. So I'm going to talk about like I couldn't find one connection between all of our things. Um. <laughs> but Basically, whatever. Everything's connected. Okay. Believe. Okay. Maybe you'll find something. <laughs> I'm I'm going to talk about um the current increase in airplane flight cancellations and delays Ooh. in airports. Mm. It is something that is very high right now. Is um, it bothering you personally? It's impacted me personally, sure. I figured. Um <laughs> but there's there's actually kind of a lot behind it and a lot of people pointing at other people so i figured people I kinda... pointing fingers as they yeah, do as they do so so this is going to kind of go some different angles but just to start <laughs> off so since um okay so the u.s airlines have canceled more than fifty thousand flights um since memorial day weekend while more than half a million have been delayed and that's from flightaware.com that amounts to more than one in four of all scheduled flights over the summer. One in and, four? That's yeah. not good odds. No. And so, and even the uh, labor or uh, the, sorry, beer brain, 
the uh, U.S. Department of Transportation even had a recent calling out to um, the uh, airlines saying, hey, you know, you need to make sure that things are really clear for for passengers uh, because this is increasing and they need to know what's going on and need, need to know their like rights. Like what happens when your flight is canceled and you're not at home? Like, what do you do? You just sleep in the airport right. until they so, figure it out? I'm going to go over some of that with you. I, Cause each thing kind of led to a question in my brain, which that was one of the questions is like, what actually are your rights? And, and that I don't sleep well on floors. I have slept on a many an airport floor in my time and it's mm. not great. It's not great, mm. but Sounds really like it has to and do I don't with... like that either. <laughs> I like it. Um, it goes really back to U.S. Department of Transportation for what what the can and can't do's are. So we're going to get to that towards the end and kind of just go over first um, a little bit about some of the reasons why this has been going on. So they they there are ways of of knowing. First of all, I just want to say that there's um, some websites. So one is flightaware.com that I mentioned. They actually say like today, what airports, what airlines, what the percentage of canceled and delayed are mm. um, like today. Total delays today, 17,579 flights today? have been delayed just today in the U.S. Total delays within to or out of the United States is 5,470. Total cancellations, 2,174. And total cancellations in and out of the U.S. five hundred twenty-seven. So, like, that's a lot. And you that's think about many. you think about how I mean, I think there's like natural things that come up, like weather. You can't necessarily help some of those things, um, and you may expect delays. There is actually a link from this website, and kudos on the name. It's called the Misery Map. <laughs> when you go to the Misery Map, I'm going to share my screen just so you can see this because it's kind of okay. cool. So um, flightaware.com slash misery map. Can you see this? Yes. So you can actually click I love on maps of misery. So this changes. So like I was looking at like this Denver airport earlier today mm -hmm. and it wasn't that bad at all. And now like it was like a very small sliver. What's going on in that Ord? Um, I think that's the Chicago. Ord is bad. So all of these have gotten much worse since I looked at them this morning. They were all looked fairly decent. Other than Chicago was consistently bad. New York was consistently bad. Um, Seattle wasn't this bad either in the morning. Um, so yeah, you can kind of see as it got later in the day, um, certain ones are better. Uh, so you got to go out early. That's the takeaway, I think. Yeah, I mean, according to my today's look. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting just to see how that maps out. And then I'll just show you this other page here too. This one is the one that has like per airline or by the airport, the percentage of canceled and delayed flights. Um, and it is just interesting to see, like, let's see here. Where's one United, for example, has a 24% of their flights get delayed. And then that's 583 How's Delta? Because if I did fly... 1% canceled. That's my Delta? Fate. Okay, give me a second. Let me search. It's a big list. Hold on. Let me know if you see it before. Oh, here it is. Delta, 14%. Uh, that's not great. For being late, 431. 0% canceled, though, today. I guess I just have to fly 
What was that one with zero tropic air everywhere? I don't. Yeah, I don't know where that what that is. <laughs> That's my new go-to. Tropic air. Tropic <laughs> air all the way. Sounds like it goes to Hawaii or somewhere. I was Delta. <laughs> now I'm tropic air. I usually go United. That tends to be my go-to. Um, so okay. So there are ways to go and look this information up. I, as someone who flies pretty frequently, I'm I would- texting. I'm paying attention. I'm just texting my son to bring me um, a cider. <laughs> Thank you for notifying me. Well, um, I don't want you to think I'm not paying attention to you. I'm being present. Fine. Thank you. I mean, can you really be, though? No, that's what I'm telling you. Oh, okay. I'm not actually so, so I'll wait. Ow, my foot's being attacked by cat. Sorry if I yelled. Um, I did yell. Okay. And I expect clarifying questions also, because I don't know if he knows what a cider is. <laughs> True. <laughs> So there's he's a sites good boy. He's straight edge. They still exist. That you can go and look at. Go and look at these sites because they may actually guide your decision making about like if you're going to go into a certain airport, what time of day, um, what air air airline you might want to fly with. So then you might say, okay, why, why, why you might say. So first of all, there was. Prior to even COVID-19, there was an assessment done saying that we were going to have some sort of shortage of um, air pilots. Mm. And that was before COVID happened. So many flights being delayed. uh, Pilot shortages are actually cited as the primary reason. That's the root? Yes, which I didn't know this. So, Or are they just blaming pilots no there are some stats behind this so it's an there was an industry-wide across all of them pilot shortage and i did hear this um maybe a week or so ago a week or so ago and i thought the same thing i was like yeah you just are overbooking flights and but why are pilots short good i mean not some may be tall but let's like let's let's dig deeper i feel do pilots not want to work because the passengers are being assholes so these shortages are being cited as the thing um once the height of the pandemic hit carriers reduced to minimal services as the demand for flights was going down so they started doing the the thing on the door no he's she's eating well, I hear that, you know, that sound when they like, oh, it's it's a metal hit roll. that thing on the back of the door. Oh, no. I mean, it's not that. No. Oh, that's what I'm hearing right now. Could be just me. It could just be you. So they tried to consolidate their flights and pilots can only fly planes that they're certified to operate. So one of the things that happened was that really um, like larger planes or certain smaller planes depending on the sizing of how many people they could get in they actually grounded those planes and not every pilot could fly the planes that were left so that also has a thinning aspect so they need more training well that gets complicated too so there was long-term consequences of the pandemic layoffs that happened so they started laying people off um they they actually had to, um, they, so they, 65, I think 65 is the age that they are forced to retire. 
So forced. Yes. So that's something too. Ageism in effect. A large amount of pilots are forced to retire early comparatively to maybe some who may continue other fields longer. So at 65, you get a a drop off right there of anybody who is aging out. Um, Many pilots took voluntary leaves of absences during the pandemic uh, to cost as cost cutting measures. So there was a shortage of about 12,000 pilots this year, and only 8,000 pilots have been certified in the past year. And that's according to the Airline Pilots Association. So we're not recouping enough pilots for how many we've lost. Mm. The lack of pilot supply comes from the extensive training requirements. They have to have 1,500 qualifying flight hours, and many uh, airlines have their own requirements as well. There's also a shortage of flight schools to accommodate the training, which I had no idea. So salary isn't as great as it used to be in the past and quality of life that they could get maybe with Mm. other employers is much harder. So lots of things there. There was a pilot strike um, with uh, a labor union uh, because of work rest rules and spending time in the sky. They're just going all the time. Um, Sounds exhausting. Yes. I couldn't imagine like, ugh. No. And then whether why do we have an age cap on thing. pilots but not on our president? That is a fair legitimate question, I think. I mean, doesn't that just make sense? To I ask mean, if that? there's a reason, there's a reason. If there's not, there's not. Right. Right. I just like consistency. Just a little consistency. I don't know why Asher has not responded to my text. Do you need to yell out loud? I'm just going to tell him, never mind, and go get it myself. Okay, go get it yourself. I'll be right back. That's okay. It's like 20 feet away, so I'll be You're right You're fine. Back. He gets All in right. his epic video game battles online and like can't be disturbed apparently to so epic so epic okay so like i said it was actually before the pandemic that this happened though so some people blame the pandemic and cutting staff which yes yes but three years before the pandemic is when the global airline industry first predicted a record number of passengers and the need for more planes and pilots over the next 20 years. So, so people just they aren't knew interested it. in entering the field like they used to be. Yes, there's a lot of, and a lot of factors that have to do with that. So Are with most lockdowns, pilots male? I don't know. I don't have that information. I mean, that's I'm thinking all like I've seen. My but... flights? Yeah, like that's all I've Same. seen. I wonder if that... Same is a factor in this well and that might tie in with something that i found too i'll share in a second so lockdowns around the world airlines parked hundreds of planes and major u.s airlines received actually tons massive amounts of federal aid because of this oh i remember the airlines uh federal aid with the express restriction that they had to fly their schedule and could not furlough or lay off employees interesting right so Mm -hmm. Here's your money. Don't furlough people. But they were desperate to preserve cash. 
So while they couldn't lay off anyone until after all the aid ran out, they started, they actually offered an early retirement and buyout package to employees. Oh, So like this was their way of cost cutting even more, which I don't like the fact that you got federal aid, a ton of federal aid, and then you take advantage of that to try to get more money savings. Oh, don't take advantage. So at first, I actually don't understand where all this money has come from over the last couple of years. Are we just printing money? Probably. Yeah. Like, is is it based on anything real? I'm like a little worried. Nothing in life is real. Uh, The airlines expected about 4% of the workforce to accept that offer. It was actually about double that that took it. So in Delta, that's about 17,000 employees or 20% of its entire workforce took this buyout package or early retirement. So it actually ended up biting them because mm-hmm. they didn't think many people would take it. But many people did. <laughs> many people were yeah. like, oh, great. Sure. I'll yeah, take people a break. like free money. I mean, and, and what I saw back in that time, just, just in, in other fields too, is like people welcome to break. It was like, okay. I mean, at that time, we didn't know how long everything was going to be. Yeah. So I worked my ass off during the COVID. Yeah. I didn't have anything else to do. (laughs) So I'm like, I might as well well work work (laughs) 24-7. So around 2021 is when airline traffic started to pick back up for like leisure stuff. Uh, Airline schedulers took an increase in traffic to presume that everyone wanted to take a flight and to new destinations. Mm. Um, However, this was like a a sign of like them, you know, the scheduling people weren't talking with operation staff because this wasn't really the case. Um, They normally they'd announce like a new route once a year sort of thing to like spice things up. But in 2021 and 22, Southwest announced more than two dozen new routes. JetBlue announced 29 new routes. So oh, they old JetBlue. They thought it was like, oh, we're everyone's coming back. Let's add all these new courses. Oh, they went too big too fast. Yes. And there's two big problems with that. They didn't actually, I mean, they drastically overscheduled and were dramatically understaffed, forcing a ton of flight cancellations. And it wasn't just the early employee uh, buyouts that caused the shortages. It was the retirement of those aging baby boomers um, pilots and the training that it takes to get new people on. So it's a long time to get on and it's a quicker off. And I do not want that rushed. No. Let's not shortcut training our pilots. I want them to know what they're doing. Okay. And I read a thing that said like it can take up to a year and that made me panic. (laughs) I'm like, that is not enough. That's not enough. I want them to have extensive military experience. Well, yes. And and it always makes me feel better if I knew they flew in battle. (laughs) So this is actually related. So um, historically, airlines actually hired a bulk of their pilots from the military. I had no idea. I want those. It wasn't a steep learning curve to go from military in a cockpit to a commercial airplane. But, but last two decades, the recruitment is slowed. Many of the pilots in the Air Force were not learning to fly planes anymore. They were trained as advanced gamers flying drones. Oh, fuck us. 
Back is us. there hope? Is there hope for humanity? Or, or I mean, this doesn't end in like a good place, really. <laughs> I mean, there's no. This I is mean, really I'm, just I'm going to say the thing, and that's where person, it ends. But sometimes I'm just like, I just don't know. I I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure anymore. My confidence is hesitant. <laughs> it's faltering. So, in the military itself, is reporting that they don't have enough pilots. So Department of Defense report from 2019, the Air Force has been seeing shortfalls since 2006. And the service said it was more than 1,500 pilot, or it was short more than 1,500 pilots at the end of 2016, with the, quote, deficit expected to grow. By the end of 2019 fiscal year, it had a deficit of 2,100 pilots. Um, and that was submitted to Congress in 2020. So, like, they're short. They're short already. They're not going to give commercial airlines extra pilots. Not. I want happen. all of my pilots to be Sully. Yes. Or I'm so, not getting on the plane. <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to. I just read an article. This is actually what brought this up in my head was like my past few experiences. And then I read an article about like two airline pilots who got in a fight, like duked it out on the plane what? um like everything flew fine and they got well, wasn't there. there a pilot recently that jumped out of the goddamn plane i didn't read that one just like put it was like smaller plane i think they just like jumped out and left the plane to crash or something i don't well, have all my fa- i did not read beyond the headlines on that one but i that i think is where i i went with yeah 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 well and that's what i think is interesting about flight transportation is that like when like I sit there for a while. I tend, I, I'm that person that gets there early. So you see like the, the airline, um, uh, they're, they're not called stewardesses anymore. What are they called? Flight Just attendants. Flight attendants. With like the cool flight luggage. attendants show up. Yeah. And like, none of them know each other. Um, and they're all like conversating. Oh, where did you come from? Oh, yep. Yep. No, I'm, I picked up this flight. Oh yeah. No, I'm your extra crew. You don't need me, but I'll be here. I'm going off to here. And then the pilots are the same way. So it's it's not like you have this like connected crew. It's not like <laughs> you, a family or a team. Yeah. Like you have a bunch of random people who are connecting together and like making it work and like kudos to them for making it work, first of all. But like that's, you know, that's some training right there. Just of, I mean, hence the, I guess the fist fight, <laughs> uh, you know, differing views, talking shit sort of thing. So did you ever want to be a flight attendant? No, no, I had a family member that did. I think she even went through some classes or something for it, too. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't do that either. Mm -mm. People. It's like customer service on steroids. Well, and it's about keeping them safe. Yeah, it's customer service plus life risk. Like, that's a lot. Yeah, it's like being having to deal with like the Ross, like, uh, clothes like where you try on clothes like being that person helping people try on clothes in ross and have to do theft prevention and keep the place from exploding i don't know well i think passengers maybe and this is just an assumption maybe see them as like your servers in a restaurant but yeah they are safety trained like they are the ones that are going to help you if shit goes down they're well they're they gonna help not me just your servers in a restaurant so manage treat that them person. with respect 
you mofos. Yeah, it's managing even the people and keeping them calm. And one of the things I learned too, like when people are coming on the plane, you know, when they like greet you, oh, hi, and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. they're actually also like sizing you up. They may ask you questions and they may already know in advance if you're military or not. So if something- who they can call on. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of getting an idea of who, you know, who's sociable and engaged, like engaging and seems competent. So they're- have I not? been called on in an air emergency have you had did they not emergency? size me up correctly I mean, <laughs> well correctly? the closest i ever got was i forced my ex-husband who had never been on a plane and didn't want to i forced him onto a plane it was a mistake it turned out to be the worst flight <laughs> i'd ever been on the turbulence was so intense flights the flight attendants strapped themselves in and were refusing to get up so i was repeatedly pressing the flight attendant button Mm. because i thought my ex-husband was gonna fucking die of a heart attack he was so freaked out he was catatonic Mm -hmm. and they announced like if this is not a life-threatening emergency we are not getting out of our seats because that's how bad the turbulence was they were all strapped in up at the front you could see them they're just riding it out i'm like oh fuck and and you know i'm like this is (laughs) It was just, a real life Alanis Morissette song. The irony. <laughs> the irony. I had one we really, rented a car and drove really bad flight with <laughs> um with Cece once. I think it was with Cece. We we're in the back of the plane and like right next to the toilets. And it was super turbulent the whole way. And um the wonderful flight attendant came by and like just dropped us like off to the side some like mini bottles, which was great. Nice. <laughs> Needed that. Anyways, okay, so I forgot where I'm at. Um, I digress. I digress. So it's not a quick fix. You can't just hire someone, like, you know, kick the tires, jump in, right? Uh, They generally need to earn a bachelor's degree first. They have to get training from a federal aviation uh, administration approved program and then get a private pilot's license, which involves passing both a written and practical test Mm -hmm. and then earn an instrument rating. Uh, they have to become certified as a commercial pilot by the FAA, and that requires 250 total flight hours, but then the individual airlines typically require between 1,000 or 2,000 hours. So it's lengthy. It's a process. And they're probably not paid enough, it's my guess, to, to feel like doing all that's worth it. So yeah. Scott Kirby, United CEO, ran the numbers, and he says that there's not enough pilots for the next five years. Like, don't expect enough pilots. I think they need to increase prices on airline tickets. They're already expensive. But they used to be way more expensive. Yeah. Like, it was, like, a big deal to fly on an airplane. I blame Southwest for all of this. Southwest came in. (laughs) Lowered the bar. They were, like, the Volkswagen of airline companies. Like, flights for everybody. They put their flight attendants in shorts. It was like all casual shorts, shorts. Yeah. there And, you know, let's make it affordable. Everybody can fly. Well, maybe everybody can't fly. Maybe that's not a good idea to cheapen something where people's lives depend on it. Yeah. Like one well, and and they're not changing the training requirements. So that is a good thing I, that has good. not come up. Um, they've just issued about 6,500 pilot licenses each year. But uh, one government estimate estimates that that's a shortfall of about 18,000 pilots each year for the next decade. 
So like we're not going to keep up the way it's at. So Supply yeah, something is not has to change. Demand. Mm-hmm. Um. So again, not many of the f- planes are flying. Uh, the planes they parked are fifty seat regional jets, which just are no longer profitable to the airlines. They say that, like, um, it would be about 90 percent full on every flight and that barely breaks even to use Are the those planes. little skinny long ones i yeah I they're like, like the little i've rode on one of those and they're scary i don't like <laughs> the little the skinny long ones to me it's like being in one of those little those little tiny electric cars like the little square ones where i'm like if you were hit on the freeway i'm pretty sure you'd just be like a crushed tin oh can. really tiny the smart yeah, car or whatever yeah, it is yeah is it smart Mm-hmm. just because you write smart on the car doesn't mean it's smart <laughs> okay so what are they doing to fix it what are Uni- they doing united airlines started teaching their first students at united avi um aviate academy it's new flight school in arizona um this year they announced they'll spend 100 million dollars expanding another pilot training location in denver so they're trying to get more pilot schools open American Airlines says it's hiring 2,000 pilots this year, but not nearly enough as the airline needs. And American also announced it was creating a 1 million pilot scholarship fund that will help two students per year finance their training through the American Mm -hmm. Airlines Cadet Academy. The 10-year commitment is aimed at diversifying the pilot ranks. Two candidates each year will be awarded $50,000 to put towards the cost, but the cost of obtaining a commercial pilot license can run around a hundred thousand dollars uh so you all i mean it helps it helps but that that can be challenging so it's like the um school loan repayment program right and then the actual here's a tiny bit here's here's a bit to you know here's some neosporin on your foot (laughs) that got chopped off (laughs) might goop it up a bit (laughs) So the like bottom line is it's not going to be fixed anytime soon with this pilot shortage. Um, and okay. So then comes questions that I think a lot of people ask. And like, I've, I have family members who have been banned from, from certain airlines and you know, what? what am I entitled to when, you know, my flight is canceled or Ooh, my flight is delayed? That's my entitlement. I like this. So this is through the U.S. Department of Transportation. So they they are the the bottom minimum line, and then some airlines may do more low bar, low bar, right? Okay. So first of all, very first sentence: <laughs> When planning a trip, passengers should keep in mind that airlines do not guarantee their schedules. Period. Great, good start. Okay. Uh, while airlines want you to get there, sometimes things come up, weather, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So your flight's delayed. Things I... come up. Right. Kidding. That's so vague. Right. So flight delays. My flight is delayed. Am I entitled to money or other compensation from the airline? The answer is no. Did you hear that? The answer is no. You're you don't not, get anything? Not, you're not entitled to money. If your flight's delayed, there are no federal laws requiring airlines to provide passengers with money or other compensation. Each airline may have its own policies, um, but 
like sometimes some hotels will pay or some uh, airlines will pay for a hotel or a meal, but that is dependent. So read your fine print for the airline. Mm-hmm. So it varies depending on the airline. Yeah. So if that's important to you that you want to be taken care of, if something like that happens and you want to fly on an airline that has a high cancellation or whatever number, then you should go and check those policies because it's not required. They don't have to. And you're probably paying more for those tickets too, I would guess. Yes. I mean, well, maybe it could be uh, airlines if they have to charge more. Compensate you somehow. You'd mm-hmm. think they're, you know, they're recouping that money. In or it may be kind of the, the other way of like, it may be a company that has pretty low numbers of cancellation. So they offer mm-hmm. that to make it sound really good, but they actually have just like their tickets are more cost more, but they don't use it that much. So they airlines do have to update all their status information every 30 minutes or sooner if a status has changed. So you should be getting pretty quick updates um, online through all the different airlines. Okay, so what if my flight's delayed for several hours? Sometimes it's hard to tell in early stages how long a delay will take. When a flight delay unexpectedly becomes longer, it's, it's called a creeping delay, which... It's like you bastards. That those are I've the ones that, that are the worst. Where it's like you look and you're like, oh, it's on time, and so you're you're heading out, and then you look and you're like, oh wait, now it's 15 minutes late. Oh wait, yeah. now it's or, a half hour. Or late. you're on that plane and you're waiting to take off, and they're like, oh, it'll be just a minute. They just have to gas us up, and then all of a sudden it's, oh hey, they took a took a minute to get here, and the bags aren't here yet, and all of a sudden it's just getting pushed and pushed and pushed, creeping. I've over. heard nightmare stories of people just stuck on the tarmac in their plane. They're not allowed to leave. They it's changed hot. that. There is they, a rule you know. about that. Like after a certain amount of time. So I was sitting on the plane. I think it was for, gosh, like almost 45 minutes. It just kept creeping delays and they weren't pushing off. And they said, legally, we have to offer you to exit the plane, but we don't recommend it because we're going to be trying to leave in the next couple minutes. What is that the time limit? Do you know that they can keep you? I don't know off the top of my head, but I know that ours. At what point does it come, become kidnapping? I mean, yeah. Like, I want to get off this plane. I changed my mind. And Let me off the plane. You could tell, like, the staff did not want you to leave the plane because then they have to deal with getting you back on the plane and getting you seated again. I and mean, my thing is like that. If I make the choice to leave the plane, I know the consequences, and but, I okay. But not those. everybody has your calm demeanor. Some people get upset and say, "What do you mean? You let me off the plane, and then I went to the bathroom, and I came back, and you were gone." Those are people that don't take responsibility for themselves and their actions. It happens. Okay, <laughs> can I switch to a different flight? Possibly. So, if your flight's delayed, you can try to arrange another flight on your airline. It's sometimes easier to call than it is at the actual airport. So, going up to the stand where the people are checking in passengers is not the best way to get service because they're doing a different type of job. Mm-hmm. Call. Got it. They can usually get to you quicker and address it faster. Um. So. You may see another flight at a different airline. Some may be willing to transfer your ticket to a different airline. I've experienced this one, once with Delta. They they refused to transfer it. So either I waited another five hours to get on their flight, or I would have to 
I don't know, cancel my ticket and be stranded. <laughs> it's interesting that they like coordinate with rival companies. Yeah, some some don't mind, um, but there are no actual federal regulations requiring airlines to put you on another airline's flight or reimburse you if a purchase. Um, so if they say, okay, you can go and fly with Delta then, but we're not reimbursing you for your ticket. So now you're out extra money. So you just, again, ask the questions. Don't just assume. Um, it all depends. Be a savvy uh, consumer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And if you change your flights, uh, ch- like change your air, air airline um, and you checked bags, that could get really messed up. Like where your bags go, how do they get them back? Like you're probably going to have delayed luggage. Just I've heard, I've been reading headlines about the luggage thing has gotten really bad lately. And part of that has to do with a lot of these cancellations, like because they, the plane doesn't go, but the stuff's been boarded on that plane. And then people take off in another plane, another plane, and it gets all wonky. It used to be like more rare. Now it seems commonplace. I mean, I feel like it's commonplace. I, yes. Uh, I've never had my luggage lost. I did when I was in a very small airport in Italy. And it's becoming more commonplace. And I didn't have, I had no clothes. And then I had to go to Italian stores to buy clothes, which was expensive. And they wouldn't compensate me because they got me my baggage back within barely within 48 hours but enough for me to have to go and buy things toiletries all that stuff like things uh, okay got cool italian clothes then i mean they weren't that cool though because i had to go to a cheap store oh. a cheap italian store you went to like I, italian ross i remember there was like holes in in the underwear <laughs> what did i buy i don't even know how much this really is so if it's significant so it wasn't even italian raw so no italian what know. italian hole in the wall <laughs> the place i was in catania like a little like seaside type not tourist place and they were not very friendly to tourists at all i i got called like mocked openly in the streets for being a tourist it was not the best experience you know, go to wine country tourists. That's where they want you, not in their downtown. So, okay. Significantly delayed. Do I get a refund? Maybe. Some things refunds may like be easier for things like baggage fees, seat upgrades. That's easier for them to refund. Um, the Department of Transportation has not specifically defined the term significant delay. So the, every single case so if you submit a complaint every single case is addressed individually based on the individual circumstances sent in by the airlines and by you um so good so luck just like the term significant other it's complicated yeah they're gonna look at the length of the delay the length of the flight your circumstances the weather status the, right okay so if your flight's canceled most airlines will rebook you for free on the next flight as long as the flight has available seats. If it's Well, at least there's that. I mean, you yes. know eventually you're going to get home. Yes. If your flight is canceled and you choose to cancel your trip as a result, you are entitled to a refund for the unused transportation, even for non-refundable tickets. 
So, so that I thought was interesting. So if they cancel it and then you decide not to take their new trip or whatever, then you should get all the money back. Um, you're entitled to that refund and any bag fees, anything like that. If the airline offers you a voucher for future travel instead of a refund, you should ask the airline about restrictions such as blackouts, expiration dates, advanced booking requirements, lim- and limits on number of seats. So sometimes it'll sound really good and they'll give you a voucher that may be more than a refund, but it'll have a bunch of exclusions and blackouts that may make it where it's not actually what you wanted to use it for. A voucher makes me feel uncomfortable. I don't want your voucher. There's always going to be restrictions and expiration dates. and Yeah, because then if you don't pay attention, it has an expiration date and it just Just give me cash. I just want the cash. Give me the cash back. Um, okay, so are they required to give me a room, hotel, cab fare, food voucher, reimbursement, blah, blah, blah? No, they're not. Some may, but they're not required. Um anything that falls outside of that too. So say you say you lost money because you couldn't start work on time because you got delayed. Mm. Say you lost a job because you missed an important interview or you missed your wedding or a concert oh you paid God, tickets to. Oh my God, can you to. imagine? Right. Like there's, so there's implications for these people who are missing flights. So you can claim damages. No, you can't. Oh, you can't? No. You can't <laughs> say I, gonna, I missed my wedding and say. this is how it ruined my life and it's worth this much? They are not required to reimburse you for any trip costs affected by a canceled flight, period. Oh, they are wow. only responsible for that specific trip to get you another trip or a refund for that trip or voucher. Wow, that's a savvy clause to have in your small print. Yeah. So, and that's not even their small print. That's just U.S. Department of Transportation. So this is the base. And then some have other, there's just like a lot of fine print I found when doing all of this. And, you know, my eyesight's not great. If I'm going to read fine print, like I have to be invested in it. Yeah. And that's the thing is I feel bad because like there's so many people who I think get taken advantage of in circumstances like this. Like you yeah. may have savvy people that go in, oh, I'm going to use the tools now. Like now that I found that tool, I'm gonna, I'm going to use it. Um, Good. I'm going to shop around for airlines who has the best whatever grouping for me. And not everybody has the ability to do that. Right. Use the map of misery. Map of misery. That's all I got. I love it. Yeah. This is just yet another reason. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but I just love staying home. I do. I love my home. I love my lounge chair out in the backyard. It's it's great. Okay, well, so in two episodes. In two episodes. We are going to be reviewing the movie, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. It's a 1962 movie. Betty Davis is in it. So if you would like to play along with the review give it a watch neither of us have watched it so it's new to us i've been a little distracted is that the cross stitch i got you behind you it is yeah this is the (laughs) the womb punch roller girl since 2010 og it's one of my favorite things i like it a lot i love that yeah womb punch is macy's roller derby name punch og since 2010 Until next time. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. We have one more thing. 
if you didn't listen to our last episode, do so because mm-hmm. we talked about. Oh, I talked about. I forget what it was called though. The school um, bus thing. The school bus thing. Uh, the yeah, no, the guy who uh, asked for a five million dollar ransom for a school bus full of kids and a bus driver that he then buried underground. Yes. And I talked about a little known massacre of 34 Chinese men in Oregon in mm-hmm. 1887. Mm-hmm. So check in, that out. In case you weren't listening today, I talked about airplanes. <laughs> Again, this is my second airplane one. So I talked about <laughs> germs on airplanes just to so in case you you decided to skip the whole episode and just listen to the last minute. Yeah, Macy talked about airplanes. And um, I talked about the true story behind the Ring movie. So, until next time, can I say it now? Yes, now you can say it. Okay, okay. Until next time, read the Um, fine print and be clairvoyant in your contracting of airline tickets. Um explore or pursue consumption without assumption hey oh what was that one thing you kept saying i really enjoyed it the unity until next time mental enjoy some mental unity